Hey everyone, and welcome to Life on Point. My name is Darren. I am with Pastor Chris Vault of Connection Point Church, and we are so thankful that you are here with us. Hey, do us a favor. Wherever your podcast provider, whatever podcast provider you use, or if you're watching this on YouTube, however they have it set up, man, subscribe, follow, give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star review, all those positive things. That helps us continue to get our messages out there and to put it in front of as many people as possible. And that is what we hope to do is to get this message, our message, the message of Christ out to as many people who can possibly hear it. Amen. Amen. Today... We're here with another one of those series of things that we've been doing lately of taking an expression or a Bible verse that we hear a lot. And this week we are tackling one that we hear quite a bit, and that is faith without works is dead. And, and so, and we, we hear it a lot and we hear it used a lot and we know it gets confused a lot. And so today we want to unpack that. And so, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into James and who that's where it comes from. And we'll look at other verses that kind of either verify or disqualify it. <laughs> Make you watch the whole thing. See how we, how we roll here. Yeah, see how we're going to end. <laughs> Don't want to give the answer away right off the bat. Uh, but here's the question. Why is there such a problem with it? Why is this, why does this come up so much? Well, I mean, anytime you have a phrase and, and I love scripture because scripture is yep. just full of these one liners, right? <laughs> that everybody knows there, there's a lot of weight that's going to be carried by that statement. It carries a lot of weight. It's catchy. It grabs yep. you. And, um, and, and every time you find one of those in scripture, you know, we just recently did one of these on, on Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep. I mean, it's such a powerful statement standalone Today we're going to talk about faith without works is dead. Powerful, it stands alone. The reason we need to have this conversation is, is because they are so powerful and can easily be taken out of context and be used at times in the name of God, maybe in a way that isn't directed by Scripture. So uh, because our goal is to be clear with Scripture and yeah, exactly to right. follow it, uh, to live by the Scriptures and let the Word of God do its work, that's what makes this series of videos a lot of fun that we're doing right now. We get to really unpack these and say, okay, we get it. Here's where some miscommunication sometimes can, here's what the passage means. And, yep. and listen, the, each one of these lines that we're talking about in this series, these, these verses are so powerful in and of themselves. There's so much truth there to grab a hold of. And we're not going to deep dive into like James or the person is James, or uh, we're not necessarily even going to deep dive into the totality of that particular text. Um, but uh, but there's a reason why it was. Uh, if you're wondering why you even, if you question it, if you've found yourself studying, trying to find out why is it such an issue or what's it, which which is true, is it is it are we saved by grace? Are we saved by works? If you're trying to, if you're you know you're you're reaching out because we know that happens. We know people start searching out and looking, and you go through the internet, and as you're going through the internet, you'll probably find a lot of of, of good stuff, and you're capable of finding a lot of really really bad things and things that can misdirect you. Now. What you need to know, probably we'll find out if you do look that up, is that in history there was some questions as the Bible came together. Uh, it's a fancy word it's called uh, the canonology process or collation of the Bible. In other words, how the how the the Bible that we have now was put together and how it came together collectively. Um, um, 
as that process was taking place, there were always a hand, there was one or two or three or four things that we now have in our, in our modern scriptures and our Bibles that were questioned. There were questions here and there based off of many, for many reasons. Some of it had to do with, with uh, other traditions that were going on at the same time. Some of it had to do with, with conflicts with other scriptures, blah, blah, and all those various things. And this one was, was scrutinized a hair. It wasn't something that it was, uh, where it was very nearly didn't make the cut or anything. But if you're wondering, uh, about James, James, uh, is, was, as the Bible teaches us was the brother of Jesus. And, um, and and he at one point he took over he succeeded uh, uh, Peter as the bishop of of of, of Jerusalem as the as the, as yeah, the lead the pastor yeah of that mega church literally it was a mega church of tens of thousands probably by this point uh, there in Jerusalem and if you go back and you read in scriptures at the time whenever James took over the Bible talks about there was this great influx of of former Pharisees that became, who became part of that body. And, uh, and you got to imagine just like with anything, you carry some of your old tendencies with you. And so Paul, so James was balancing a lot going on through there. And so, so there are some people that question whether that there's a conflict between Peter or Paul's teachings and, and James's teaching to the point where we know, uh, uh, Martin Luther uh, questioned the inclusion whenever after the Reformation, whenever they first re- reconvened with the Bible, he almost, he called it strawy was the word he used. In other words, it had a lot of works uh, place in it and on it. So if you're questioning why there's questions or why you should question, it's a legitimate uh, concern or thought. But what we're going to try to do today is kind of unpack it a little bit and let you know why it, it's really not what some people try to make it out to be. Right. Yeah. So a lot of folks want to know, are we saved by grace or are we saved by works? And are these, the verse of James versus Paul, are they contradicting each other? And the answer, of course, is we know there's no contradiction in scripture. Uh, If we come to a point of contradiction, it's within our own understanding or lack thereof. And we really need to go back to the passages, gather the context and then come back and get the proper interpretation. Right. Exactly. Right. Because you got to remember whenever you're researching, you got to make sure you understand the source of your research, right? Because I know when you look at people, everybody has their bend, right? Their yeah, angle. And, and that's true because the best definition I ever heard of preaching <laughs> was God communicating timeless principles through human personality. That's right. So when I preach a passage, I can preach God's timeless truths, but my natural personality is going to come through and how I communicate it. When you preach, the, you could preach the exact same passage, It'll be different. Your personality is yep. going to show a little bent toward it, but it, the the key is not the personality differences. Was the principle preached accurately? Right. That's exactly right. And when you go to the scriptures, here's what some people uh, I think have a a difficult time of grasping is we're reading really. I mean, the scriptures given by God, the timeless yep. principles are there, but they're all written from human personality yeah each each book of the new testament right is written by an author human we know that uh, peter says they were carried about by the holy spirit so the principles are there but we also see some of their personality and what i love about james is is you can tell james had the personality of no nonsense let's get to the point um there's no fluff here 
I mean, we're getting to the point, and you better be living this out. And so let's look at the context. Let's do it. I'm going to read uh, James chapter 2, 15 through 20. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, uh, and one of you says to them, go go in peace. Sorry, I'm going blind in my old age. <laughs> go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. But you do, don't give them what their body needs. What good is it? In the same way, if it does not have works, if it does not have works, is de- is I can't see it. Hey, look at this. It won't. Yeah, we'll expand on that. it. No, actually, it's as far as it goes. <laughs> we are. Oh, there it is. Woo! Look at that. Look at that. It's bigger. If it does not have works, so we're not only teaching you. Is dead by Darren's itself. Darren's learning at the same Hush. time here. <laughs> but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Senseless person. Wow. I love James, man. (laughs) Are you willing to learn that faith, here it is, faith without works. He said, are you what? Senseless person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is dead, or in this case, useless? I can actually read pretty good when it's big. (laughs) Yeah. I love the fact that Since we were able person. to show the media guy something about media technology here. Right? That is a, actually, that's a first for you. It is a first is, for me. And I'm, I'm very proud of this moment. It's on, it's it's on the air. It's never going to go away. We can make it go away, but probably won't. Probably leave it. Nope. Zach and and the fact stand. that you're a first-time grandfather and it's time for you show to my age. bring out those reading glasses and get yeah. rid of that pride, you know, so you can read this stuff. So back to James, senseless mind. people. Uh, no, thanks. Okay. Thank you, though. <laughs> Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? So let's go and unfold this mm-hmm. verse and why it was written and who it was written to specifically and yeah, all those I mean, things. So he's writing, James is writing here, and you've got to look at, you know, he's talking to believers. Yep. He is. All right, so he's talking to people who are already saved, Yep. brothers and sisters, and, and then he's talking about how they live out their faith. Yep. Right. He, he's not talking about a method. This is not a, a piece of salvation right. literature here. He's not dealing with the salvation moment. He is saying, if you in the church claim to be a follower of Jesus and you see someone lacking daily food, you see yep. someone lacking clothing, and you, and we, I mean, how, how often have we seen this in the church world, Christianity world, right? You say, well, be blessed, brother. Well, be blessed, <laughs> sister, paraphrasing it, right? I say, go and be blessed, and yet you don't do anything to help them out? James is just questioning, you tell me you're saved, but there's no action. Yep. There's no fruit, for another word, to, to back up your claim. Exactly, because obedience isn't the root of our salvation. It's the mm-hmm. fruit of our salvation. Absolutely. So that's... Uh, whenever you're as you're talking, that's exactly um, how I see it as well. He wasn't trying to explain to people how to be saved. He was telling you people say people how they should react in yes. certain situations or in situations in, in, of need or in general. Um, he wasn't trying to con- he wasn't trying to tell you if you do this, this, or this. He was trying to say if you're saved, you probably really ought to react like this, this, or that. <laughs> and that's why well, you're right. We love James. Well, you think about it. You know, a lot of folks want to say that Paul writing to the Ephesians that were saved by grace. James says, you know, faith without works is dead. You got to have the works in order to be saved. And they want to say they contradict each other. They really don't. Yeah. 
We're saved by the grace of God, but then James is saying, once you're saved, your faith is going to work. In fact, how do you know someone is truly saved who says they are? And James is the one that really gets down to the nitty-gritty here and says, one of the ways I can tell you if someone's faith is real and not just verbal, but I mean it's authentic, watch their actions. All right. He said, because, listen, in that essence, he's actually backing up what Paul said to the church in Corinth yeah, when good. he says that in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now being born again, if you want to use that term, we are to show that we are a new people. That's right. We're to be like Christ. And so James, man, he's getting down, and he's saying, you want to tell me you're a believer I'm going to believe you're a believer by the way you're treating people and how you're living out your faith. He's questioning their fruit. I mean, that's the what fruit, he, we, it's all about fruit. So we did a podcast uh, uh, previously on fruit of the spirit. We'll include it in the, uh, in the, uh, um, um, what is it called? Man, that's a bad day for me and my technology. <laughs> it is in the description of this post, there'll be a link to that podcast. There you go. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's so gonna make sure it's gonna happen. Make sure Zach will put it there. Uh, not me, evidently. So, but yeah, he is questioning their 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 fruit. I mean, he's right. just looking at them, going, "Yeah, okay, you tell me you're saved, but is there any fruit of the spirit here?" Right. And, you know, and I love again. There's no contradiction between him and Paul. No, because think about this. So Romans chapter two, verse nine through eleven. Here's what Paul says to believers, right up in in the church in Rome. He says, there will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew, also to the Greek. And listen to verse 11, for there's no favoritism with God. That's right. So he's saying that God, when he looks at us, there's no favoritism between um, a Jew or a Greek. And then he goes on Ephesians 6, 9 and talks up to masters with their slaves even he says masters treat your slaves the same way without yep. threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven there's no favoritism with him and guess who else picks up on that very same topic and talks about when when people enter into your church your gathering and you say to one who's rich come sit over here one who's poor come sit over here and he says there's no favoritism with God. Who do you think that person is? Exactly. James. Exactly. James. He's taught, he, uh, He's really he's like, so you guys, you may notice in our church, there's hardly anybody on the front row. So <laughs> we are showing favoritism. <laughs> a thousand people behind the front row. It's amazing yeah. how many thousands of people can get in every seat possible. But those right there, I'm not sure what that means. It means yeah. we're not, we don't show favoritism. That's, that's right. What that means, so. That's right. We're not, you don't come up here. But that's exactly right, though. He is uh, he's literally just, uh, just unfolding again what Paul had, uh, will teach later on, actually, and, and talking about you know, favoritism, because you're exactly right. We didn't read it, but early on in that, in that chapter, uh, James is dealing with favoritism. He is. And, and then he expands upon it, and he gets down to where he's at. He was literally telling him, look, don't just be, uh, don't show me your fruit of the spirits when the richest man in town is here, and all of a sudden you're bending over backwards mm -hmm. to give him his choice of seat, his choice <laughs> of this, his choice of that. That's right. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being kind to somebody who's wealthy, but at the same time, that can't be your sole purpose. Because in, you know well as I do, and James knew as well as mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. that you got you're you have an intent. Yeah. Your intention is is to to gain favor from a prevalent, prominent person. Right. And if that's your heart, 
that's not very Christ-like. And that's actually the verses that preceded the ones we started with today, right? I mean, that's actually how he starts chapter 2. If someone comes in your meeting and they're wearing a gold ring or dress in fine clothes and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes comes, if you look with favor on the one wearing fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, you say to the poor person, stand over there. Haven't you made distinctions between yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? And he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, didn't God choose the poor to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom? In other words, he's saying, this doesn't look anything like Jesus No, when you start picking and choosing. And so, again, it's fruit. And it's not to earn your salvation. He's saying if you've truly been saved, fruit should be produced. We live differently. We treat people differently. There's a change taking place in our lives. He's saying the it's an old adage uh, said a bunch that 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 is that true salvation works, mm-hmm. and that's just that, it's just that's true. If you're saved, you're going to do those works that James is talking about. You're going to do those and more. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna feel like pulled to help those who can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna come to the defense of the defenseless. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna be the voice to the voiceless. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna uh, you're gonna extend the extra mile. You're gonna sacrifice your personal gain for the benefit of others. Yeah. And if you're not doing those things, and I mean, I hear a lot these days from a lot of very prevalent speakers um, that want to act that who tell us that. We should, that it should be about our benefit. Mm. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Mm. When that is literally anathema to everything that Christ was. Yeah. He stripped off his royalty. Right. Gave it all up in order to mingle with that which, you know, which was Lord. us. Yeah, with us, the lost. And so he mingled with us. He he, he was uh, there with the poorest of the poor. There with, yeah. the, with the destitute. There with the outcasts of society. And so that's all James and me. He he saw it firsthand. And heck, what's crazy about that is he didn't even believe it though. He watched it for <laughs> most of that time, right? Yeah. And but he come once Jesus uh, was resurrected and showed himself to him. He knew all. He he knew the fruit was there. He'd already seen the fruit yeah, in action. He watched it in his life. Exactly. He, and then when and like I think this is interesting for those who don't know, James didn't become a believer yeah. until after the resurrection of Christ. Exactly right. I mean. Think about growing up with Jesus and watching his ministry in those early years and not even believing that he truly was the Messiah. But man, once he came out of that grave. Exactly. And he rose from the dead. And I think part of that is that's probably what helped fuel James to be so focused once he did become a believer. That is a really good point. You know, it's like, man, I didn't believe this. I didn't follow this. And now I know he was totally convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. And he's like, man, I I don't want to waste any more time in my life. I don't want to waste any more of my life. Let's get after this. This is real. Let's make the impact. Let's live it out. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing laser focus in his approach to everything. It's like, and it's, and it's stripping away all the fluff. It's saying, look, if you are a state person, you really probably should react in the same way that I saw my brother reacting. And if you're not, you need to question your own salvation. That's literally what he was saying there. It really is. <laughs> and there's a principle here that he is alluding to, and I think it's a principle we all need to really concentrate on and consider and, and actually examine in our own lives, right? And the principle is this. He, James is teaching us you cannot separate the spiritual from the practical. 
Yeah, they'll see that's problematic for some people, isn't it? <laughs> you can't leave Sunday morning and go to the office and act like a total butt to somebody, right? You, you can't. Yeah, I mean, you, it's not a Sunday religion. It's not a Sunday Christianity. It's 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 got to be exactly who we are in Christ. He's Adrian Rogers. You say he's the Lord of all. He's not Lord at all, that, right? That's right. And that's what James is saying here. It's like <clears throat> we we trust in Christ. We believe in Him for our salvation. And if we truly have. It is truly yielding our life to his lordship. But that's not just me personally. Okay, now I've trusted in Jesus. It is to change who I am to become more like Christ. And now my actions has got to back up my confession. So you can't separate the spiritual from the practical. Our lifestyle has to support our confession. Yeah, we know that's supported like over and over and over again in the in in the Bible in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You know, First John four twenty says as much. Ephesians two ten says it. Even Jesus himself said this in John fourteen: If you love me, you will keep my commands. The ones who had the ones who have my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, mm-hmm. and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say in John 15 that you did not choose me, but I cho- chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain right. so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. That's right. So judging fruit again. Judging fruit. I love Luke six forty four. Yep. Jesus said this, each tree is known by its fruit. <laughs> yes. So in essence, he's saying the world are going to be your fruit inspector. They are. You say I'm an apple tree and you got lemons hanging off your limbs. Somebody's going to tell you you're not an apple tree, you're a lemon tree, right? And what Jesus is saying here is that his disciples are called to go bear fruit. James is saying the fruit shows up in our actions, right? That's showing Christianity. And the way the world is going to be convinced. I mean, this is really John 13, 35, right? I mean, to me, it's one of the most powerful passages of Jesus in the New Testament. For us as disciples, he says, everyone will know you truly are my disciple by how you love one another. The world are our fruit inspectors, and they are the ones choosing to believe whether or not we truly are who we say we are in Christ. And we're not questioning, just because you are lazy in your faith, when I say it that way, I'm going to say it that way, lazy in your faith, mm-hmm. and Many basically are. very inwardly focused, and you go to church and you do all the things, that you, but you're still pretty much not, not that helpful. Maybe you're not displaying a ton of fruit. Um, and hopefully it's convicting of you because like he said, the world is going to be the ones inspecting. And so I'm not saying you don't have the fruit there. It's definitely hanging on the vine, but unfortunately it may be drying up and dying on the vine. Mm-hmm. And you, when they come and inspect your fruit, they're actually probably finding a ton of fruit flies mm-hmm. and they realize there's a lot of, there's just something wrong here and don't be that person. Right. Don't be the person that uh, has a lot of like this, this fruit hanging on your vine, it was there for you to, to, to display and to feed and to do, but it just hangs there and rots. That'd be the worst thing. Yeah, and I think that's why conversations like this are so important is because all of us, Paul, Paul actually said this to the church in Corinth, all of us need moments where we pause and examine ourselves and oh. examine where we're at in the faith. And what is he saying? He's saying sometimes we need to stop for a moment and say, man, how am I living out my faith? Are there any areas that I need to prune? 
<laughs> is there any areas I need to cut back and confess some sin? And do I need to get refocused? Because that's all of us. That's not being judgmental. That's saying we have such a responsibility to show the world Christ that we need to stop and take moments here and there to look at ourselves and say, mm, man, how, what kind of fruit am I bearing right now? Right. Right. And then go back to the heart of it. And the real heart of this is the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we're going to want to live out that love of Jesus. Right? Right. I love this verse, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. John says, This is how we have come to know love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need and withholds compassion from him, how does the love of God reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in action and in truth. And so even John the apostle is picking up on this same idea. We are saved by grace, but true salvation has a heart for people the way Jesus had a heart for us, and so it's going to act. So it's way more than the word to use. Because I know a lot of people who who run around, they can they'll 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 tell you about Jesus in their, in their own way, right? As far as verbally, they'll they'll communicate it in a very verbal sense. But I think there was an old adage that says, uh, "Preach the gospel of all times, mm-hmm. use words use if words necessary." Yeah, necessary. That's <laughs> and that's good. and that's pretty much where we think this, you know, where James is coming from, right? And uh, it's interesting because when I know whenever there's a lot of pastors out there that I respect, uh, and it's funny. Uh, and this is very unscientific, but I've, it's over and over again. When I, whenever you said something about it, reminded me they need to, we need to all inspect ourselves. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the pastor of the largest church in America. You need to reflect and look at who you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can be a man after God's own heart, but you still need to be checking yourself Check out, your right? And I've noticed that when most of the guys who've written or just said it in a podcast or something they've typed out there, or in some way communicated in a message, they say I've heard it said I don't know how many times. When I'm when I'm when I'm beginning to uh, wonder about myself, I begin to when I begin to look inwardly and, and ask God, where do I stand? He said they all say the same thing. It, I always go back to the to the book that James wrote, mm. and they read the book mm. of James. Mm. I've heard that said over That's and good. over again, and I and I think that holds truth in there because mm-hmm. James, again, like we said earlier, like you said. He was laser focused, mm-hmm. and he got to the heart of the of the of the of the of the deal. It's like if you are a saved person, if you are born again, if you want to use that word, covered by the blood of the Lamb, all those right. lovely expressions we like to you should be acting like it. That's right. That's right. Right. Hundred percent. Anyways, right. well, that's the end today. This is uh, uh, another wrap. We're gonna, we have another show called the Wrap, so I'm going to use that expression <laughs> again. This is a wrap on life on point. We have a prayer around here, and then we our hope that you live a life fulfilled, that you live a life on point. And we will see you next time. Amen.